You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hello and welcome to Nick Luck Daily, the show that brings you the latest news and the sharpest insight from around the world of horse racing. A new day, it's Wednesday the 11th of August. Jane Mangan joins me, RTE and Racing TV broadcaster, and we will be talking amongst other things about... Tony Mullins' mare, Princess Zoe, who has been declared for the Irish Ledger trial on Friday. But Tony tells me very shortly that she still has York and uh, one of two races there very much on her agenda. We'll be talking to David Probert, who brought up his 100th winner of the season at Nottingham yesterday. He's got some exciting rides coming up over the next week or so. First of all, though, Jane... We need our uh, regular, our sort of bi-monthly debrief on where we are with Irish crowds. Perhaps things are, are looking up with regard to Irish Champions Weekend. Jane, are you feeling more positive about the likely return of Irish crowds in numbers? I've no reason to feel more positive, Tom. I was at the Curra on Sunday for the Phoenix and there was 500 people in attendance and none of them could go indoors if it started to rain. Until the green light is signalled, I have no reason to think that things are on the upward curve. I was watching a pair of All-Ireland semi-finals being held at Crow Park last week. 24,000 in attendance at both. We've been down this road before. The excuse that the government seems to be rattling out is that it'll be easier to contact trace in a stadium because they're seated. But does anybody really think that 24,000 people will march into Crow Park, sit down in an orderly fashion and leave in single file? Like, come to the real world, that's not going to happen. Now the All-Ireland final is going to be held at the end of this month and the government have approved 40,000 people to be in attendance. Little less we were back at the Curra on Sunday at a Group 1 day with 500 tickets sold. I think a big part of this, and I'm sure it'll be on HRI's agenda when pushing um, or lobbying the government, is that we forget that racing in Ireland, this industry in Ireland, falls under the Department of Agriculture. And unlike GAA or any other sporting events, they are going to the Department of Sport. They are going to a different government department. So we are pushing the Department of Agriculture to facilitate our needs and to try and enhance uh, our growth and prosperity. But realistically, it seems to be very, very slow. And uh, the other thing is, Now, as we head into the autumn, we're now in August heading into the autumn, and I know the topic on everybody's conversation is Champions Weekend, which is exactly a month from today. It starts on the 11th uh, and the Curra on the 12th, and then you have the Lestole Harvest Festival running from the 19th to the 25th of September. This is where I would push, or I'm sure they are pushing, for indoor dining. So across Ireland, there is a strategy laid out where you can dine indoors if you produce your COVID cert at the door. Well, why can't we implement that at the tracks? If it's okay to do that nationwide for restaurants and bars, well, I think it should be an option for indoor dining at tracks because we are in Ireland, it rains, and we don't want, if we do get the approval for a couple of thousand people for Champions Weekend, we don't want them like drowned rats outside not enjoying their day. We want them 
to come back and enjoy their day racing. Um, it's been almost two years without proper crowds at the races and we, we don't want their first taste back at the races to be a negative one. So I would push and I hope people are pushing for indoor dining. COVID certs may be necessary. I don't see it being a problem if it's being rolled out nationwide. But until, Tom, until we're giving the green light, we have no reason to be thinking positively. I hope we can talk more positively about it in the future. But yes, looking on, um, looking on from, from abroad and afar, it, it, it does seem a bit of a head scratch the lack of progression with, with Irish horse racing crowds, I have to say. Can you reflect on the action that you saw for the Keeneland Phoenix Stakes at the Curra, and in particular that juvenile race, um, won by Hugo Palmer and Ebro River? How good a renewal do you think it was, Jane? I am unsure. I didn't see that result coming, I'll be honest. I congratulated all of the connections on the day, but I was surprised after running just in the Richmond week beforehand that he could turn around that performance. I think the change in tactics were extremely important to his chance because he raced more professionally. Um, I thought Dr. Zemp and Go Bears Go both emerged with a massive credit. Castle Star, I'd love to see him back to five. He travelled brilliantly at a furlong down just racing on the wing there's lots of positives to be taken from many connections of the race uh, i think aiden o'brien having the last two home in the phoenix stakes is a very rare occurrence he's won i think 16 of the last 23 renewals so it's very unusual for him to have the last two home but full credit to hugo palmer he had the father he raced them in these colors and i'd say for everybody at tally ho who stand the stallion and bred this horse there was a good story about it I just want to pick up on the, the point you made there about Aidan O'Brien having the last two home and how rare that is. It would appear that Bar Point Lonsdale at the moment, this is perhaps not a stellar crop of Bally Doyle juveniles, though it's probably early days to be saying that. But there was an interesting article on the Post just pointing out that when he broke his group and grade one record a few years ago, I think he was up to 13 winners at the top level by York. Well, he's already had 12 this year, so perhaps it's not quite the, the, the poor season that it may at first seem. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think when, when Bally Doyle draw blanks in the derbies, um, that's unusual and people start asking questions. But when you actually look at the numbers, he ha- he's having a fantastic year. I think a part of it is their main stalwart, um, St. Mark's Basilica, has been doing much of his winning by the Coral Eclipse in France. And Aiden has been targeting French Group 1s to great effect this year. Uh, we saw that with the pre-Rothschild just last week. And maybe it's, if it's happening in France and it's not happening at the major festivals in Britain and Ireland, people start forgetting um, or not giving him the credence he deserves. And of course, they need a pair of Group 1s in Belmont earlier uh, in July. So, uh, yeah, it's fair to say is the consistency not what it should be or what it usually is or what you would expect from an outfit of that power? Fair, fair question. But we're getting into August, September now, and this is often when the best juveniles emerge. What are your thoughts about St. Mark's Basilica, if I can ask you that, and, and his run in the, the, the Judgment International, which is if alcohol-free turns up as apparently a 60-40, it, it, as ever, it looks a top-quality renewal. Yeah, the Judmont is a brilliant race and it is a sire-making race. And I think it's a very important step for him in his career. So far, he was, I think he's been extremely impressive. 
Um, his turn of foot is something that we always want to see in a horse. We want to see that acceleration. It, it excites us. Um, and he is probably, I, I think Poetic Flair and himself are brilliant mile 10 furlong horses and they're battling it out for the best in that bracket. And then, of course, you have a Adair and Hurricane Lane fighting it out for the middle distance bracket. The three-year-old crop this year are just mouth-watering, brilliant horses. Uh, and I hope he can back it up. I, I, am, I am intrigued with the move for alcohol free up to 10 furlongs. Uh, I can see why, based on her performances, that people will think she can get the trip on pedigree. It just, to me, is is she's up against staying uh, on her on her bloodlines but it's adding another layer to the judgment which is hopefully going to be a brilliant race next week but st mark's for me is awesome okay tony mullins has declared his uh, superstar mayor princess zoe for a friday at the curra um, i spoke to him a little bit earlier on asking him if york was still on the agenda with the no rain in the forecast for York, she's being declared today for the Ledger trial in the Curra. But that would not interfere with her going to York if the rain came. It's her intention to do both. She's done it several times. So, you know, I mean, I wanted to get... Well, we want to go to York. and um, But I don't want to skip the Curra and then find York is too firm and then we have nowhere to go. So... We're going to the chorus, and if there's a bit of rain or a proper easing in the ground, we intend to go to York as well. And York-wise, is is that still up in the air whether she goes for the Lonsdale or the or the Ebor? Well, it's still in the air, and you know I'm sure that Friday night's run will decide. Mm. But it's very much in the air. Um, you know, if she, if she proved on Friday night that mile and six is not a problem to her, we'll have a go at the fever. But, um, you know, we're thinking that two mile suits are better, two mile plus suits are better. So I think the most, at the moment, um, you know, we're not worried which we go in New York. What, the thing here is if she won on Friday night, she would end up with a penalty in the Ebor. Mm. And being at 10 stone already, that would probably knock her out of the Ebor. That, that's the one that might. But, it's, it, you know, say if she was second on Friday night, that would leave her. She'd be still an even 50-50 for both races. Mm. Um, you see, it, it, it's... The, the main the, the thing here is that essentially while we'd love to win these races in York they are a stepping stone back to the pre de just, just just on her season as a whole obviously it's been very different to, to last year when when you got her she had she had a, a good few runs pretty sharpish since since the June when you first ran her this has been a, a different sort of preparation all year different races taken on because of what she achieved last year Tony well, you see, last year we exploited a beautiful handicap mark and she kept doing it easy so you could put her out every day of the week. Yeah. I mean, it's different when you're taking on group horses. You don't, um, you know, repeatedly come out in group races and, and repeatedly, you know, it's a different training regime and, uh, you know, to think that you could run in 
five or six <laughs> group races in the same three weeks. It just doesn't work, you know. And am I was I know at one stage was it was the Cheltenham Festival muted? I take it the moment she won a Group One on the flat, that went that went out the window, Tony, right? Well, uh, <laughs> it went out the window for her trainer, <laughs> but her owner is a ever loving Cheltenham fan, and uh, well, you know, I would be advising against it if he wants to go jumping. Um, it's not a hundred to one still. He he has, you know, he has mentioned a few times that he it's a long, long time since he's had a Cheltenham horse, and um, you know <laughs> he's still plugging at it. You know, so, I tell you, he's a he's a brave man, Tony. He's a brave man, but uh, I I love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I told him get the checkbook ready and we'll buy a new Cheltenham horse but I, I wouldn't recommend her going but if he wants to go like we'll see I told him we're discussing nothing until the flat is over mm. and then we will discuss it but I mean if she'd stick if she'd stick uh, hurdling she'd stick another go of the Asker Gold Cup and that's where I'd like to go mm. Yeah, well, look, you know, the, 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 there's the winner. Sadly, isn't racing anymore, and she she ran an absolute belter. Did she surprise you that day? Well, um, I wasn't shocked. I was surprised at how well she took the, you know, to, to what I say that her form improved. I knew she'd go on good ground. I didn't think she'd quite go as well as that. Now, yeah, I was a bit surprised. And, uh, but I wasn't surprised at the horse that beat us. I mean, I mean, people will never understand that because the horse is in you. But he, and you don't want to start demeaning other horses. But his form, he was a better horse than Stradivarius was ever at his height. People don't realize the depth in this year's Ascot Gold Cup. You know, people don't realize that probably. Probably the only Ascot Gold Cup will ever run where there were three classic winners and six Group 1 winners in the same race. It was a non-real race this year. Two Derby winners, a French Ledger winner, a triple Ascot Gold Cup winner, a Melbourne Cup winner, six Group 1 winners. You know, it was just a non-real race this year. The best... um, and by a long way. And and your mayor was second. Well, that <laughs> that sort of brings it into. I I I couldn't believe that, but uh, you know we were very excited after it. Jane Tony in in flying form there discussing his mare Princess Zoe. Uh, there's a lot to dissect out of that, right? So first of all. Uh, she's definitely going to run on Friday and that is because there's a small chance she'll swerve York but interesting enough that it is still very much part of the plan to go to York and she has a choice of a couple of races I felt that all along he was leaning towards the the Lonsdale Cup but he hasn't ruled out an Ebor tilt Yes, isn't it a little bit bizarre that a filly that was last seen second in, in Ascot Gold Cup that they are even contemplating running in a handicap. And you can't 
but wonder or you get the feeling that it's purely down to the fact that the Ebor handicap is worth three hundred thousand pounds, as opposed to the Lonsdale Cup, which is worth what is it, eighty five? I think it's mad. We live in a world where the handicaps rule. That's wrong. <laughs> that is just so wrong in so many ways. She's been a fantastic mayor. I, I think she has been campaigned in in head scratching ways, but Tony has paddled his own canoe with her and has not done a single thing wrong all the way through. Arguably her run in Ascot was a career best. Thank God, touch wood, she has come out of it well. Unfortunately for the winner, subjectivist, that wasn't the case. Um, She is, anybody who's seen her in the flesh, she is walking on crystal legs. They're they're, they're so fine and feminine uh, that I can totally see why Tony does not want to go jumping hurdles or putting her down the route where she, you know, could could get hurt. But um, it's it's an interesting route. I, I think running in the Irish Ledger trial on Friday is is a good next step for her. Uh, it's, it, it's going to be hard to turn around in a space of seven days or six days to York if she gets a hard race at the Curra. They'll have to reassess. And if she does get the penalty for winning, then she can't really run in the handicap. So... All roads lead to France. Whatever road they take, I think she will probably peak in the Cadran. Just uh, sum up, if you can, the sort of feeling in Ireland when she won the Cadran in such dramatic style last year, Jane. I was here watching it with my family and the WhatsApps were flying and the social media obviously exploded because Tony is like, you know, we feel like he's one of us. He's he's, He's just your normal guy with his few horses and he has this mare that they bought relatively inexpensively from Germany to go jumping and it turns out she's pretty good on the flat and it's she's beating horses that cost multiples of her fee that were bred to be derby horses you know it's it's extraordinary and it kind of gives it's what racing needs because it gives us all hope that you don't need the six-figure horse you don't need the best bread everything and it can work and he's what's what's so also endearing and adds to the story is princess Zoe is ridden by a five pound claimer called joy sheridan who's won a group one on her and he has retained the ride you know that's also loyalty and and there's so much to this story that is right with the sport and i think we should scream it from the rooftops agreed and if she were to turn up at the cheltenham festival next year the place would go mad just for seeing her but jane it's not gonna. It it just no. It can't happen, can it? Yeah, it just Paddy, Paddy Kyo can stamp it, his foot all he wants, and I know the owner <laughs> is usually the boss, but in this case, I don't know. I think a Group One winning filly can do it. I think Tony might get his way. Just just maybe, but still do it. It'd be great. Uh, right, let's um, let's move on and uh, talk to David Probert. He got up his 100th winner of the, the season yesterday at Nottingham and he's got some exciting rides coming up this weekend and next week. Here he is. I've never got to 100 um, this early in the year before. Um, I mean, yeah, definitely on track for my best every year. I think my best was 112 and uh, way on track for that so no it's great I mean I'm getting plenty of opportunities this this year and you know I've got many owners and trainers to thank for that as far as a quality of horse that that you're on again the, the consistency there does does that feel as good as ever yeah definitely uh, even more improved um I think uh the quality of horses has definitely got better over the years and I've been lucky enough to kind of 
uh, get those you know more opportunities this year on on Saturdays as well, which is more importantly and you know even better. They're in group races also, so no, it's been great. You know, was there ever a, a period where you thought? Because the, the 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 rise has been pretty consistent, but was there ever a period where you thought, you know, this isn't going as as well as I'd like? Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, you've always got jockeys coming through the ranks, and it's. Um, I suppose it's just kind of getting yourself, you know, in the know and getting yourself, you know, getting getting rides every day. And I was still going for two or three rides, and going. I'm now going racing for five and six rides, mm. and. You know, it definitely helps, and I think it's it's just trying to get the ball rolling. And yeah, there was a stage where I was kind of going racing and only getting kind of you know one winner a week and so on, so on. But everyone hits a quiet patch, and you know, over the last two years, it's it really has got rolling. And you know, now I'm just kind of you know every week I'm kind of consistently riding a few wins and three or four wins a week, and it's, you know, it, it definitely helps. You know. I suppose one of the consistents in your in your life as well since everything started has been Andrew Boulding. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been connected with the yard now for fourteen years, and um, yeah, it's been great, you know. And it's, it's great to see Andrew become a very good trainer. Um, you know, he's just got more horses. Um, you know, a great bunch of staff, and the quality of horses also has just been just improved so much over the last two years. You know, and it's good to be a part of that. Um, he's got some good two-year-olds as well. You're associated with with uh, one of them in the form of Sandrine for Kirsten Rousing, who's on for, for her best ever season as well. As far as you know, she's a likely for the Lowther, is she? Yeah, as far as I know, she has. Uh, she she'll be entered for the Lowther. Um, she'll obviously carry a three-pound penalty, um, but uh, she was she was very honest in the Albany. And, Got away with a very soft ground that day, and she backed it up well at Newmarket um, the following time. So uh, she's she's a very honest filly and uh, quite excited. You know, um, she's improved by every start. Uh, she looks the you know she looks one of the best two-year-old fillies around at the minute. So I'm hoping she goes in good form. Um, I actually sat in her this morning, and she seems well in herself. So um, I believe that's the plan for next week. Did she feel more natural on the heavy ground or the good to firm ground? I mean, she felt naturally better on the faster ground. She was able to quicken a lot better and and, and leave the field as though Ascot was near on unraceable and we'd done well to race that day. Uh, we had a deluge of rain and it was heavy ground and she just felt as though it was energy zapping and she got away with it more than she handled it but uh, her, her ability through it but um, I would imagine she would want you know she's 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 fairly uncomplicated she didn't she doesn't want any kind of specific um, any you know any kind of ground but um, I think if it turned up good that would be ideal for her mm. Are you going to uh, France this weekend with Tasman Bay? Yes he goes to France he runs in the group two over there Um he came out of his race at Goodwood in the thoroughbred stakes very well. Um, he goes there and hopefully have have a live chance. Just to, I know he was a fair price in the thoroughbred stakes, but that's much to do with Baid's price. Um, sure. were, were you happy enough with his run there, and, and were you were you just put in your place by an exceptionally talented horse? Is that fair? Yeah, very much so. Um, I think uh, the winner was very good and probably in a proper mile and um, I think he 
yeah, Tasman Bay is a more of a mile and a half horse. Um, he runs over a mile and a quarter on Saturday, but I think um, the way the race is run, I probably I would imagine he'll get away with it. Um, he's got a big, big long stride on him. Um, he's very uncomplicated in regards of how you ride him. He can make the running, so I, t- I, I would imagine he'd have a great chance going there. Well, good luck and um, stay fit and well for the rest of the season. All the best. Yeah, cheers. Thanks, that, Tom. Right, the Racing League takes place again uh, tomorrow evening, Thursday evening. It's the, the third round of the Racing League. Pleased to say that racing journalist Mark Suster joins me to have a little chat about this. First things first, Mark, I know you're involved with a, a horse that's run a couple of times at the Racing League, one at Newcastle and um, and was then sixth at Doncaster, Hugo Palmer's Echo Beach. So uh, Newcastle must have been pretty exciting. It was indeed, as I say, it, it's a, we're part of a syndicate which my son started when he was a student at Bristol University. He wrote in a few of us, um, father pays most of the fees, as is the case, but we've had a great result, yes, we were all very excited, we were on holiday but saw it, and uh, yes, it, it, it just shows that the value of the racing league in terms of giving opportunities for horses at this level, which could, could, you know, could easily have been sold off in July, but they're kept in training because, you know, the small owners medium-sized owners want that involvement 25 grand as well i think just over was was won by echo beach that day it's a huge fantastic pot to win we know the great prize money on offer and i I suppose you know part of having a horse running different colors it being the the racing league well the fact that this horse is owned by a syndicate i guess that that's not a huge problem for you no, 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 not at all. Um, as I say, twenty-five grand is nice. I, I wish it was all coming my way, but it, obviously it, it won't be. But yes, I think the whole team concept is it, it, lovely because some of the some of the syndicate members probably aren't great aficionados, and you know you can immediately pick out the horse, you can immediately pick out the jockey, and and and, and that's something you, you that the racing league offers that you can you can dip in and out of it and there's the access to the sport is made much easier which i think can only be a good thing i suppose what i'm i'm interested in talking to you about the racing league mark is is in particular your your previous work in other sports and um now having been what racing journalist at the times for nine on five years is it now mark something like that yeah on um, and off yes i was yeah. just say i i, I yes how um, how do you sort of see um, the the acceptance in racing of something new like this in comparison to your uh, work work in other sports? Do you do you sort of you know see racing as sometimes fighting progression a little bit more than other sports, or not necessarily? Uh, I I think you're, you're you're spot on from my experience within racing, and I've loved the sport for most of my life, but been actively involved you know for the past four 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 years or so three years as racing correspondent with the times it is still a very conservative sport which is difficult to penetrate for many people and there are barriers physical and uh, sort of mental which people um uh, don't understand within the sport why it's a sport which needs to open up it needs um, a sport it needs a side tournament such as cricket has t20 racing needs something that's over and above and can open up the sport to other to other people a new audience because uh, yes the sport's well served at the top level 
but in the in the in the weeds mid weeds of the the, the midweek fodder, you know, th- there is a real dearth of stuff. And owners, we know the problems about owners. We know the problems about prize money, all of which have been well documented. And this initiative, Racing League, yes, I am a champion of it because, uh, as I referred to, it for many trainers, it's owners are keeping horses in training for the league because of the prize money, and it makes it in, makes it it makes it really exciting. It makes it it. In a condensed six-week window, it gives an opportunity for the sport to have a bit of a, you know, a bit like the, the Six Nations in rugby. You know, you've got six weeks of when it's full-on rugby. We've got six weeks when it's going to be full-on, full-on racing. Yes, it's obviously first year. Yes, obviously it's going to take time to bed in. There will be issues. There will be critics. But I think Jeremy Ray and his team should be applauded. And, you know, as I say, you look at the analogy of, of T20 18 years ago, I think, cricket embrace or try to uh, try to resist in many ways this concept of fireworks and music and coloured clothing as oh this is not right and now it's now it's the, now it's the sort of bedrock of the sport and I'm not saying racing league is, is, is going to maybe reach those sort of levels but it's something that really is exciting, should be embraced, and should be given a chance. It's yeah. I suppose the the T twenty analogy is you know it's trying to do something different that initially um, met with pushback, and um, look where T twenty is now. And uh, just just to mention the hundred as well, I suppose comparably. Um, that's a, a new innovation in sport, which did meet with some pushback, certainly from from those within in cricket. Uh, it's been going for a, a similar sort of amount of time to the racing league, but I feel I don't know how much you've seen of that, but I feel that has um, been very well received now, having initially met with 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 quite a lot of resistance. Yeah, it, it, it seems to have done because it's as I say, it's appealing to a new young audience who are going to be the. You know the supporters and fans and the, the lifeblood of the sport. You know of cricket going forward. Cricket. You know, I think what what one of the great things that cricket did was the people behind the T Twenty and the Hundred have, have took made uh, undertook surveys as to why cricket wasn't appealing to people. So they sort of came at it from a different perspective, and it was not on when people wanted it. It was out of touch. It was middle class. It was this and that. And and, and 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 they countered those those perceptions and have produced a, a product which is appealing. Yes, T Twenty, the Big Bash, all these things which play to people the way people live now. You know, they want. You know, very few people can sit through four days at a, it's a, a county cricket match or five days at a test match. You know, the, the people consume things in bite-sized chunks now, and that's and that and sport is entertainment. So you need to be playing to that new audience, which is. What the hundred seems to be doing quite successfully, and hopefully the racing league will do to, do so too. Um, when is the Echo Beach isn't isn't entered up to to run on Thursday? I know. Do you know when um, he's out again? No, no, we don't. We're waiting for waiting for Hugo to to do his strategic planning <laughs> with, uh, with with his with his team up at Newmarket. But uh, it, it, it's just very exciting, and and I think it shows. This is not just a gimmick. This is something where the trainers I've spoken to now really are, you know, getting involved in terms of strategic race planning. Where can we, what races can we go? Where can we look for points? Because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, there's, there's two, there's two million quid at, at, um, on offer, including a 200 grand prize for the, for the overall winner. So, it's it's not to be sniffed at, and I think initial reservations. You know, there's, there are some trainers who are now starting to moan, saying we weren't asked, we want to be part of this. 
but you know, I, th- I think Jeremy went round every single trader, wrote to everyone individually, and was met largely with negativity. It's only those who are willing to embrace who've now shown how possible, how you know, how plausible, and how how real this entity now is. Jane Mangan, you can send us away with a tip. I had you all lined up for Friday, Jane. It was all part of the master plan, the the, the group racing on Friday, and then. Um, drafted you in early so where are you going for us today well you know if you had drafted me in on friday i was going to go all you know international and go arlington million beverly d but i'm going to goran today and i'm going to go to the 805 and the kenry cup handicap and on shunnock ella i know our gb listeners might struggle with this name but shunnock ella for joe murphy and gary carroll i think is a major chance in the not 100 handicap at 805 Jane, super stuff. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, We'll chat to you again soon. Thanks to everyone at home for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with Lydia Hislop on the show. Have a good rest of your day. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.